You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Hello, and welcome back to our latest monthly roundup episode. In today's episode, we're going to be looking back at the best moments from May. So let's get started. Here in the UK, we kicked off the month with the King's coronation. It was a historical and momentous occasion, one that I'm not going to forget in a hurry. And more importantly, it also meant having one extra holiday in this month filled with bank holidays, and I, for one, needed it. However, my month was also filled with travel and conversations. I attended SAP Sapphire events in Orlando and was blown away by the scale of this particular event. I thoroughly enjoyed seeing digital transformation in action, learning about generative AI and its impact on the future of supply chain, and connecting with industry professionals and fellow influencers. Finally, just last week here at Future Insights Network, we held our flagship event, Transform Fest, a remarkable two-day event where thousands of registrants and attendees joined us for content that was focused on cross-functional collaboration. I want to send a big thank you to all of our speakers, our sponsors, and the attendees who took part, as well as the Future Insights Network team for a great event. Okay, so the Transform Talks podcast, well, we released a total of five episodes this month. So let's now look back at some of the best moments from the last few weeks. We started off the month by speaking with Joe Sullivan from Gorilla76. As regular listeners will know, I've been fortunate enough to speak to a number of individuals from the manufacturing sector of late, and one of the recurring themes during these conversations is the idea that manufacturing does not do a good enough job at selling itself to the outside world. With that in mind, I decided to invite Joe onto the show to discuss the marketing side of manufacturing and explore whether this sector has been going wrong. In this excerpt, Joe speaks about the importance of being a resource to your audience. Sure. So, you know, I touched a little bit on this earlier, but I'll go, I'll go a little deeper. And, and that's, you know, I, I think of the way that manufacturers have traditionally gone to market. A lot of trade shows. It's taken our whole, you know, marketing budget and, um, you know, spending it over three days at IMTS or Fabtech or, or wherever. Um, it's a lot of cold calling, knocking on doors, um, you know, relying on, on referrals. And, and the, the problem is, you know, like, number the problems are if i had to break it down into a few things you know one buying processes change so much people are out there looking for solutions on their own they're doing a lot of that pre-work before they're ever having a sales conversation and so you you can't just rely on you know the, the inbound phone call you have to kind of be out there be a resource to your audience be educating them that's one thing you know, the other thing is people are overwhelmed with at this point, even if you're amazing at cold calling and you've got a great sales force for, you know, sending prospecting emails or, or however you're, you're trying to kind of re- out, outreach to people. I mean, the, the number of unsubscribes and spams that I have to mark every day, it's really hard to break through all that clutter. Again, even if you are doing it well. 
um, whether it's phone phone calls or or email. And and then you know the the third thing that I think a lot of companies don't really think about is the fact that if you for anybody listening right now, if you think about anybody out there in who could be a future customer, think about your whole total addressable market. How many of those people do you think are actually actively looking for a solution like yours right now or this week? It's probably a really small percentage. People are out there looking when they have a need or when they're experiencing a problem with whatever their solution or product they're currently using. Yet, all everybody's outbound messaging is, we're the best, buy now, here's our new product. And most people aren't listening. Probably 97, 99% of your audience are ignoring that. Um, you're doing it too much. You're just a spammer to them. And so what this means here in 2023 from a go-to-market standpoint is, one, you need to be the best resource you can possibly be for your audience. You have to understand what matters to those most influential people that you, know, you need to reach an influence inside the organizations you're trying to reach. And two, you need to make sure they know who you are, that they understand your value proposition, that they think of you as an expert well before they have a need so that when they enter the buying process, you're the first one that they think of. There's positive associations with their brand and you're the obvious first person to call. And it's just the opposite approach that most companies are taking. It's, it's all you know, outbound sales, cold emails and phone calls, like messaging that is just going over the heads of people because they're getting hit with that stuff from so many angles. You know, what Joe really said really stood out to me. I think the reason for this is because I can completely relate to what he's saying. After all, what he's speaking about is not far off what we're trying to do with this podcast. We work tirelessly every single day to ensure that we're providing you, the listener, with the most value. I think manufacturing is now also coming to terms with that. Next up, we have an excerpt from my conversation with Aaron Prather. During this episode, we discussed automation and robotics. I made reference to this during the episode, but as we know, automation is one of those pretty contentious topics, and I think it's easy to understand why. During these difficult times that we're living in, the last thing employees want to hear is about increased automation and the complexities that brings. However, what I found fascinating, and as you will soon hear, we may have got the wrong end of the stick when it comes to automation. As Aaron goes on to explain, there are studies that show that it can actually increase the number of jobs. There was actually a study done by MIT uh, about a decade ago, and they were looking at the whole, are, are robots taking jobs? Very simple premise. And what they found is, is yes, but the caveat was, they are taking jobs from companies that don't automate. And how they, what they discovered is, is that companies in a sector started automating, adding robots, adding automation to them. That allowed them to take on more work and take on more business, which added more jobs to them, while their competitors couldn't compete because they weren't automating to take on extra work. So they actually started having to lay people off because they didn't automate like their competitors did. And we just had a recent study that came out late last year from Notre Dame that sort of confirmed a lot of that. They sort of went through some new, newer data and they were seeing very similar trend lines of the robots were actually creating jobs in the areas where the robots were being installed and they were taking jobs away from those companies that just weren't automating to keep up. And so I think that's our biggest thing that we need to convey to leadership in manufacturing and supply chain 
of don't be scared of robots taking jobs. If anything, they're going to help speed you up so that you can actually do more things. And I think that's the message we need to start conveying to, to everybody, uh, from leadership all the way down to the, the floor. Let's now look back at my conversation with Amy Engelmark. Amy is a speaker, author, consultant, and business coach. She coaches ambitious executive leaders on how to prioritize personal health and happiness without sacrificing financial security, productivity, or family connection. Now, look, I'm aware that this episode deviated slightly from the usual subject matters that we cover on the show, but you know what? I felt like the topic of mental health, especially at a very senior level, was too important not to cover. I actually met Amy last year, and as I made reference during the episode, I went into my first conversation with Amy with a little bit of trepidation. I was concerned that she was going to take an abstract and maybe metaphysical approach, but I was pleasantly surprised by how practical Amy's advice was. So I invited Amy onto the show so that she could share some of her tips with all of you. In this next segment, Amy provides some techniques that leaders can apply to live more fulfilling lives. So I lean heavily towards boundaries. And this has been a book that's really impacted my life uh, by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend. And when it comes to practical solutions, and, and I knew you were going to bring up beads and oil, and I, and I just absolutely loved when you brought that up before because it's not to put down anyone who uses those things but it's not me either. And I'm very, I'm a visionary leader like you. And I also have my feet firmly planted on the ground. I love practical skills. I need practical strategies to be able to change habits. So let's talk about some. One thing that I suggest for people who are getting back in touch with and and being open to taking care of their needs because they're starting to see the connection between performance and creativity and problem solving with a sense of with decreasing their stress levels you know some stress is good stress we need it to stay alert but too much decreases our functioning ability so i like to suggest people bookend their days they start with something that is just for themselves whether that be for their heart their mind their body start with something that grounds you because if you're not if you don't have an anchor for yourself, you can't be an anchor for everyone else, but usually people, that's people's habit. So whether it's writing or whether it's a short walk or whether it's, you know, sipping your tea or coffee without starting work first thing and just taking in the world through your window, start it with something that's just for you because otherwise everyone else's priorities are running your life instead of your own. And then at the end of the day, I like to I like to connect with my family. Not everybody has a family they come home to, or I have, like you, I love to connect with my dog. So what's a way you could bookend your day so that you're feeling filled up? You're not going to bed. I know someone who, she doesn't like this, but she's in the habit of, she sees herself as a top performer. She wants to continue being that go-to person. And so when her child goes to sleep at 10, she goes back to work until 12 or 1. 
and this is a habit that she's working on changing. So I would recommend creating some sort of soul-filling cycle before you go to sleep that feeds you. You know, whether it's reading a book that has nothing to do with work or it's very personal. So that's one practical step I would take. And another is with your language. So I would cut out a few things in your language. I would stop using the word someday because it just doesn't come. We need to make our dreams happen now. Find a creative way of, of, of making our priorities that really matter the ones that we want to either accomplish or create before the end of our days, and we really don't know when that is, happen now. So treat life with more urgency. And then um, you brought up the sentence, I can handle it. I would personally suggest that listeners write down that sentence of I can handle it and underneath list everything that you've been telling yourself you're supposed to handle. That, you know, to be a strong, excellent leader, I should be able to handle this. Why is this so difficult for me to handle right now? And then you'll start seeing on your list the pressure that you've been putting on yourself. And you can be more realistic about what your capabilities and your limitations are right now because we've been through a lot, so our stress levels are higher than they usually are. Before we move on, if you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'd really love to listen back to the full episodes that I'm referring to, then don't worry. We've included all of the details to the full episodes in the description. Following my conversation with Amy, I then spoke with David Yang. David is a partner at Activant Capital. He and his team work hard to identify high-growth companies that are transforming commerce. I really enjoyed my conversation with David as he brought a different perspective on the developments in the industry. What I want to highlight, however, is his answer during our Maria's Book Club segment. As we know, the best books are the ones that you can revisit every couple of years, and that was the case for the book he selected. I guess it's Ender's Game, um, the Orson Scott Card book. Um, I feel like I've probably read it every three years over the years um, and I there's an element of you know depending on what stage I am I guess in life I get something different out of it um, whether it was maybe the kids in military tactics when I was younger that was a lot of fun to now some of the more whatever philosophical underpinnings of the book I, I don't want to ruin the book for you if you haven't read it although I'm a, <laughs> a lot of people have um, but I, I would say yeah, it's one of those books that I come to every time. Uh, every time I read it, I enjoy it. I get something sort of new and different out of it, depending on where I'm at. Um, I, you know, I'm encouraging my my kids to get into it. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's the first one that sort of comes to mind. And finally, we ended the month by speaking with Jim Vinosky. There's been a lot of talk lately about the benefits of transitioning to renewable forms of energy, and rightly so. At the end of the day, if we're going to fix some of the issues we face, we're going to have to do so by adopting new forms of technology. Jim, however, takes a more pragmatic view on the subject. And as you're soon going to hear, he believes a more prudent approach is needed because, as he points out, core pillars of our society still rely on reliable forms of energy, something that renewables can't yet offer to us. Yeah. Let me preface it with, I have no beef with renewable energy. I mean, you know, windmills and, and photovoltaics have been around for a long time and serving needs for a long time. And we can certainly aggressively make them part of the greater mix. 
The trouble is we're jumping into making them part of the grid uh, generation capacity that we rely on. And you start to see breakdowns already. Um, you know, Texas a few years ago, everyone argues that renewable energy wasn't the cause. No, renewable energy wasn't the cause, but renewable energy contributed almost nothing during that crisis, during the winter storm a couple of years ago. And people literally died. And that's what I try to stress is if we get this wrong, people die. Um, manufacturers in particular, we rely on energy being available 24 seven, 365. A lot of us for our margins have to run literally year round with very few shutdowns. When we're taken down unexpectedly by something like a power outage, that's a tremendous cost burden that can drive you out of business. And I'm a little disappointed there aren't more manufacturing people speaking up that, you know, nothing wrong with moving in the direction of renewables, but we better have a plan and we better demonstrate that we can provide reliable energy on the basis we need it before we leap. Unfortunately, we're leaping and then looking at this point. So that's it for this month's monthly roundup episode. I hope you enjoyed revisiting some of our best moments from May. We'll be back next month with our roundup for June. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks to stay up to date with the latest developments. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what the P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great month ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.